G'day and welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson, CEO here at Next Gen Agri. I've worked in livestock research, farming and breeding for over 25 years. I've been very fortunate to see a lot of amazing places and meet a lot of wonderful people throughout that career. I'm reminded every day of just how awesome the livestock industry really is. It really is a great pleasure to bring you the stories and wisdom of people in the industry via the Head Shepherd Podcast. This podcast is supported by our good friends at Allflex and MSD Animal Health, who are guided by the one mission of the science of healthy and productive animals. For these two companies now combined, they have one of the widest product portfolios in Australasia with a comprehensive lineup from the Cooper's range of animal health products through to the ID and monitoring solutions that, that Allflex are famous for. The products are all backed up by their exceptional service, and we're thrilled to continue to have their support in bringing you this podcast each week. If I could ask a couple of small favours before we get underway this week, if you could rate this podcast in the app that you're listening to it in, that would be fantastic. Also, if you know someone that you think would enjoy what we do here, please share the show links with them. Finally, if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably a big fan of livestock farming. We're setting up the Next Gen Agri Hub to be the home of livestock farming conversations. Check it out at thehub.nextgenagri.com. Okay, it's time for this week's guest. Welcome back to Head Shepherd. Another great guest this week with Pat Mayer from Atkins Ranch, CEO there at Atkins Ranch. Welcome, Pat. G'day. How's it going? Yeah, good. Um, bit of a success story, Atkins Ranch. Been around for a fair while now and yeah, made a big impact in the, in the US and continuing to shift New Zealand lamb into that into that market. Yeah, it's um, we've had a good couple of years, to be fair to say. Um, it's just uh, it's on the back of a number of things but a highly engaged supply base um, and guys willing to do things slightly differently probably sets us apart from from most other meat companies cool so we might just start with a bit of your backstory as in how you ended up as ceo there (laughs) Uh, oh god Uh, that's Uh, I actually started off as a rural banker, um, then lied on my CV and ended up in investment banking in London like most Kiwis do. Um, got back from London, got engaged on the way home, ended up in Hawke's Bay and there's not much investment banking in Hawke's Bay, it would be fair to say, and certainly no desire to live in Auckland. Uh, so I had my midlife crisis early and uh, got back into the uh, got into the meat industry um, running procurement uh, for a company called Ovation which is a related company um, of some of our shareholders and then internal transfer across to Atkins Ranch um, started off running livestock for them then ran the New Zealand side of things uh, then moved across to the states lived in the states uh, for a couple of years COVID cut that short when the kids couldn't go to school for about a year uh, and we saw New Zealand living a normal life so it was a pretty hard sell to my wife and kids not to, uh, to keep staying over there um, and uh, yeah, came back to New Zealand um, and got promoted to CEO after that. So um, that's, my, that's my 30 second uh, CV there for you. <laughs> Beautiful. You probably get a job on the back of that. <laughs> yeah. I guess... Last time I saw, well, I was in the US five years ago or something, and obviously Atkins Ranch is on the shelf there in Whole Foods supermarkets. Is it is it all in Whole Foods, or is it supply throughout the country? Um, so it's through every Whole Foods region, um, through North America and Canada. So we're their largest lamb supplier. We supply them probably with ninety five percent of our of their lamb. 
Um, they have a few small sort of local market options. Um, and then uh, a handful of other small retailers, Hagen's, Jimbo's, Foods Co, Kroger, Trader Joe's and Costco from time to time. So uh, a little variety, but the main focus is Whole Foods and our main business focus is essentially the natural, natural grocery market in the States. We don't tend to do too much into food service. Yeah. And for those who don't know much about Whole Foods, it's uh, sort of the upmarket supermarket chain, or I guess uh, Whole Foods is better than supermarket. Yeah, it's it's uh, probably one of the best supermarkets I've personally been into, um, just presentation wise. Um, it makes New World look like a pack and save, really. <laughs> Uh, it's probably the best way to put it in New Zealand terms. Um, yeah. yeah, so the focus is on natural natural products, but it's all sort of presented really well. Uh, it does carry the unfortunate um, tag that it, people in the states call it whole paycheck because that's what it takes <laughs> to shop there. But um, hey, from our farmers' point of view, that's fantastic because we're maximising the value for our, all the hard work that's done here in New Zealand. Yeah, exactly, and yeah, it is a fantastic experience just to wander around the Whole Foods over there and. A completely different retail experience, particularly in the meat or through that, the meat shelves. It's yeah, very professionally presented. Yeah, it is. It is. One thing there was a bit of a kick in the guts. I was there with a few Kiwi farmers, and the local product was selling at a premium to the to the New Zealand product. Is that still happening, or is that? Um, yeah, it is still happening, but um, it'd be fair to say the gap's probably closing. Just the cost of getting our product across. To the US now, it's got out of control. And uh, obviously, the cost of our livestock farmers are getting paid really well. We have to pass that on to the consumer as well. Um, but yeah, the gap is closing, uh, but there is still a strong wish from a lot of companies in the US to buy local where you can. And the best way to turn something into a premium product is to charge more for it. So. <laughs> Yeah. Consumer will yeah. believe anything, really. Yeah, as long as it's expensive, it's better. Yeah, and certainly looking at or well, comparing the products on the shelves, it, it wasn't very clear that price was matched to better in terms of that local product didn't look didn't look any as good as the, the Kiwi product. Uh, th- honestly, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but our, our key selling point is that we can supply lamb 52 weeks of the year. Um, because we grow grass all year round, um, the local local market offerings really struggle to get any supply out of season, um, and it's all grain fed as well. So it's uh, you know it's grain fed versus grass fed, and, and that argument that comes up in the marketplace quite often. Yeah, and I guess just other than buy local, you pretty much smash every trend there is over there like grass feds are massive like you can buy grass fed hot dogs yep. which i thought was funny yeah. but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah but um obviously antibiotic free hormone free all that sort of stuff is sort of i guess pretty easy in new zealand but but certainly valued in that market yeah so we're, we're always looking um for a a bit of a stretch. Um, so we were doing antibiotic-free 20 years ago um, before it became a thing. Um, that moved on to non-GMO project, um, so sort of GMO-free product. Uh, we were the first in the world to get that. And then the Global Animal Partnership Standard GAP, which is an animal welfare standard, we were the first uh, sheep company in the world to get that. So that's sort of made us different. Um, from a lot of other companies and now we're really looking at um, regenerative farming very, very closely. We've aligned ourselves with a, um, a, 
accreditation called savory or land to market verification uh, which our farmers have sort of commenced on that journey um, over the past sort of two or three years yeah right yeah we see that as being the next big thing and uh, my personal view is it will probably replace organics over time um, and the hierarchy of needs of consumers yeah it's relatively easy to see that happen I think yep yeah I guess talk to us about the farmers there's I think the story is there's a couple of friends sort of got together and started the concept of Atkins Ranch, but it's now, I don't know, 100 family supplying is there or what's the, uh, the probably, supply base? Probably closer to a couple of hundred, give or take, if you want to use round figures. It was started by two families, the Guscotts and the Atkins, and the story goes it was a it was a flip of the coin. They both thought they could do a better job than the, the meat companies were doing at the time, so they flipped the coin and uh, the loser had to get, move to the States and start um, wearing out the shoe leather, leather and um, creating sales. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, John Atkins lost the toss and uh, he shipped his family across to the States, probably <laughs> much to the disgust of his wife um, and Phil Guscott, but to stay, stay, um, stay here in New Zealand and look after the farmer side. Um, at that time, it was also decided that Atkins Ranch sounded better than Guscott Ranch, so that's where the name came from. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You don't get much more Kiwi than that. No, you don't. Um, but the the whole ethos of the business is to get um, the market premiums that we generate um, through our customers back into the pockets of the farmers, and that still remains my key KPI every year. Uh, I'm managed on profitability and uh, the pool payments that are generated to the farmers, which are the premiums we pay. Um, they're, they're my two KPIs. Yeah, right. So into the logistics, is toll killed through progressive meats or that's through a partnership? Or uh, Yeah, so it's toll killed through progressive meats. So, um, yeah, we uh, we pay a fee for every lamb that's processed. And they cut it up on our, on our behalf and then we, we ship it out and uh, we own the product the whole way through, so we're just paying for service. Yeah, right. So that's a bit of, I guess, a bit of a holy grail in the industry is... Lots of people have tried this and lots of people have failed. What's What's been the difference on this time? Uh, what's been the difference? Um, well, we're lucky enough that our major shareholder also owns Progressive Meats. Uh, <laughs> um, That's useful. Which is useful. Um, but, hey, it's always been the case, and Progressive's probably really the only specialist toll processor in the country. Um, so there are three exporters that, that process through here, um, and it's something they've always focused on. And they like to work with with companies that, that have a vision for their markets. Um, we don't tend to compete with the other guys that are that are processing through the plant too, so it tends to work pretty well. Yeah. Was there anything specific about the US market when when the two families got going? They thought there was a bigger opportunity there than I like got at that time would have been mostly I'm going into the UK. It wasn't a traditional market, and I think that was the attraction. And, and really, it's only the past uh, two, three, four years that the American markets really started to uh, become popular for for New Zealand lamb companies. Uh, much to our disgust, we, it was a secret we sort of wanted to keep. To be fair. <laughs> Um, but yeah, a lot of racks end up in American food service. A lot of other cuts have started uh, ending up there with obvious supply chain issues and, and COVID and just the demand for protein worldwide. Uh, still a lot of the product ends up ends up in China, but um, 
uh, the US is, but it's still a growing market uh, for the New Zealand meat industry. Yeah. I mean, whatever they were drinking that day when they made the call to go into the US and I guess eventually target Whole Foods, like you couldn't have written that better, really. No, no, it's yeah, it's been quite fortuitous, particularly over the past sort of five or six years. It's worked out pretty well. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So specifically for on production, is there anything, how have you got to be an Atkins Ranch supplier? What do you got to do anything, obviously, other than the obvious antibiotic-free and... Antibiotic-free, um, grass-fed, free-range, GMO-free, um, and you've really got to be GAP accredited, so have that animal welfare standard done to really get in the gate. We are restricted by the amount of space we can process, um, so we do tend to operate some form of waiting list, which is a blessing and a curse. We'd like to be able to process more, but uh, we're just not in a position to be able to do that at the moment, uh, just with with space and labour um, limitations, uh, which is it's significant uh, throughout the meat industry in New Zealand at the moment. There is a definite desire to grow, though, um, over time because uh, it's uh, quite a successful business model. Is there anything specific around genetics or it's, it's just weight and grade within within certain specs? Weight and, uh, weight and grade. Um, so we've always targeted heavier carcasses than, say, the European or the UK options. But as genetics and stuff improve, that, that gap sort of shrunk. So we're, we're having a look at extending our weights out in the future. Australian lamb, which is a competitor in, in, in the US, their average lamb weight's sort of 24, 25 kilos these days compared to, what is it, 18 and a half um, here in New Zealand, so significantly heavier. And heavy lambs don't tend to scare us, which has been good, particularly around the winter months. Genetics is a focus at the moment, and what's the next step? We've been watching with interest what Tamana lamb have been doing, and we've been running um, progeny trials with beef and lamb through Progressive for the past seven years. Um, with the focus on uh, improving our eating quality, so getting sort of more intramuscular fat through our lambs um, to make make the product a bit more succulent and uh, probably the best way to describe it is more wagyu-like. If there's more intramuscular fat running through it, it's really hard to stuff it up when you cook um, from a consumer point of view. So um, it keeps them coming back for more because, hey, lamb, lamb's an expensive meat in the States. It's one of the most expensive meats in, uh, on the supermarket shelves. So um, it, we want to give people confidence that whenever they cook it, um, it's going to eat well. Yeah, for sure. So at the moment, there's no, you're obviously not measuring IMF through the plant or? Uh, only during the trial at the moment. Uh, so we run the trial in, yep. in February each year. We're doing some loose, loose measurements and, um, uh, nothing scientific uh, throughout the rest of the year. And uh, look, basically, if you can't see it with your eye, it's not there. Uh, I'm very keen on that. Sometimes we look to um, overcomplicate things with flash Harry machines, but um, and technologies. But um, if the consumer can't see it, they really they won't pay a premium for it. So it needs to be visual. Yeah, and I guess in your consumer, there they are seeing it 
in the raw state rather than yeah they are t- table service where it's doesn't they, no one knows what it looked like when it exactly went on the on the grill yeah, it all looks the same once it's been on the barbecue particularly <laughs> if I've been near it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so future trends where regens up there regen regen heavier carcass regens up there heavier carcass and eating quality are probably um, the three we're looking at really closely at the moment. Uh, the health of the planet, which is where Regen comes in. So, you know, healthy planet, hopefully healthy product coming out the other side. It's just going to be a given with regards to consumers in the future. Um, and my view is New Zealand's got a real comparative advantage um, compared to a lot of other countries. We grow grass pretty much 12 months of the year. Um, we've been rotationally grazing for as long as I can remember. We're miles ahead of where some of the other countries are. So why not? Use use our IP to our advantage and try and extract some more value um, out of the out of the value chain. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I guess we we don't like to get political on this podcast, but if we stop planting good sheep farms, the tr- pine trees would be handy. That, that'd be really handy. Yeah, um, <laughs> and that's that's always a big worry. Uh, which it just makes us have to pull up our socks a bit higher and get stuck in and remain relevant to the farmers because the last thing we want um, is large farms being sold, particularly the breeding farms, to pine trees. It's bloody soul-destroying. Yeah, definitely. A little bit off tact because we can, but a couple of years you're living in the US, I always, I guess, like the difference between the US and New Zealand in terms of success culture. What did you notice there in terms of, I guess, people' willingness to have a crack and fail and and probably get celebrated for it? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I get asked this quite a lot. The the New Zealand culture is we don't tolerate failure, whereas the US view it completely differently. Um, they come up with these weird and wonderful ideas and they love to have a crack. And actually... Um, failure is actually looked at as um, as a badge of honour because you've given it a go. And I found that really refreshing when I was in the states. Like you know, we were living in San Francisco, so you've got all these bloody tech companies and Tesla, and yeah. it's just some of the weird and wonderful ideas that come out um, of the people you end up sort of you know hanging out with. Everyone's had a crack. They're all entre- they've got that entrepreneurial streak that's not necessarily encouraged in New Zealand. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we don't like failure and we don't like sticking our heads up above the turret. <laughs> yeah, destined uh, to be average. The old, tall, the old tall poppy syndrome. No one likes to show off in New Zealand. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a completely different way of life over there. Uh, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think everyone gets anyone gets the opportunity to go there and spend a little bit of time. I couldn't recommend it higher to just to feel that difference in culture. Yeah. Very, very warm, where you are, and, like yeah, a- warm and caring people. Um, very friendly. They're not, they're not the Yanks that you see um, coming off the cruise ships here in Napier, <laughs> um, <laughs> demanding a chai latte from one of the bloody cafes. But um, yeah, no, it's um, really warm, friendly people. Really enjoyed our time there. Yeah, no, it's a great place to be, and I think. I guess to help predict the future, you need to be in those sort of markets because they're thinking completely differently, and and that's where the consumer of the future is going to be informed from. Yeah, a lot of the trends they they come out of America. Um, they've got a whole bunch of early adopters, and uh, you know we 
we often use the analogy to our farmers that, um, you know, there's 320 million people there, but, you know, we're actually after the top 5% that have got the money to spend, but it's still a hell of a lot of people. Um, we don't want to deal in that commodity market. We, we leave the, you know, the, the cut price supermarkets and all that to other people. Um, we, we just we want to be at that pointy end um, yeah. of the value chain. Yeah, and obviously volume to value is a pretty big catch cry in New Zealand, but I think there's a few companies that are actually doing it, and that can tranche are one of them, so c- congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a lot, it's not easy, um, and it's a hard concept to grasp because we all want to do more volume, um, but sometimes you've just got to generate more value out of what you got, um, and it seems to be working at the moment. Yeah, no, awesome, Pat. Well, um, we'll let you get on with your work and enjoy your supply meetings next week and trip to the US, but thanks very much for taking the time to come on and share your story. No problem. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Ed Shepherd Podcast. If you enjoy listening in each week, please take a moment to subscribe or even give us a review. That would be fantastic. And if you do get a moment to share it with your networks, we'd also love that so that we can share these great stories with more people. Thanks again to our friends at Allflex for sponsoring this episode. Allflex are wonderful supporters of the Australian and New Zealand livestock industries. Combined now with MSD Animal Health, they offer one of New Zealand and Australia's largest livestock product portfolios, focused on animal health and management, all backed up by that exceptional service. We really do enjoy our long-term association with Allflex and thank them very much for, for again supporting us with bringing this podcast to you.